Hello, you're listening to Sexual Transmissions with me, Esther, and sexual health doctors, Jaja and Frankie. Have you ever thought of going for a sexual health checkup, but were too embarrassed at what they might ask? Are your sexual fantasies very different to your sexual reality? Have you had your fill of pterodactyl porn and you're wondering where to go next? Whether you're a sexual novice or seasoned in the sheets, this is a chance to talk about sex and to think about pleasurable, safe ways of having sex that will help protect your body and your mind. From testing to infections, sex-positive mentality to gender identity, chemsex to fetish, each week we'll talk about a different aspect of sex, sexual health and well-being. We're all thinking about sex, so let's talk about it. Welcome to Sexual Transmissions. sages salt and pepper once said let's talk about sex baby let's talk about you and me let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be let's talk about sex so that's what we're going to do but there's so much to chat about so each episode we'll talk about a different aspect of sex sexual health and well-being and in this episode we'll be talking about anxiety around getting tested and sexual health in the time of coronavirus so welcome and joining me for our first ever recording is Jar Jar and Frankie, a team assemble. Hello guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Where are you recording from? How are you? Tell me. Um, Well, I am recording from lovely Hackney in East London at the moment um, in my flat. Yes. Yes. I have a lovely view of the high street outside my window. Great. And how are you? How are you doing? Because obviously recording remotely. Yeah. How are you finding things? You know, it's been I think it's been a tricky time for everyone during, you know, the COVID-19 epidemic. But I think, you know, we're finding our we're getting to grips with it. We're finding ways of connecting. We're finding ways of doing things. You know, we're able to put this podcast on, you know, despite everything that's going on. So I think it just shows that people can get really innovative when they want to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we started thinking about this podcast, we, you know, we didn't know that this was really going to happen. And we had very different plans. But here we are all in different locations. It's still happening. So um, that's what counts. Brilliant. And uh, Frankie over there, how are you? Hi, doing fine. Um, I am recording from glorious Collier's Wood, again from uh, inside, of course. Uh, So I'm in my living room. And um, yeah, like very similar to what Jaja said, I think it's been obviously a very, very difficult time for everyone, healthcare workers and everyone and key workers and people staying at home for, for various reasons. But it's also a nice kind of silver lining that a lot of people have reached out and connecting to each other and finding different versatile ways that we can all kind of catch up and keep an eye on each other as well. And you are sporting, from what I can see, a really exceptional T-shirt. Would you like to walk us through that? <laughs> so my T-shirt today is um, from, from a collection of, from a market in South London. It features Simba, Timon and Pumba, the trio. I'm lovely. Uh, excellent. Very lovely. Absolutely. Love them. Oh, I know. What a trio. If I, maybe that's who we should aim to be. Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. So much can be learned from that, those trios. So honestly... <laughs> I know. The three give, of them. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Absolutely. That's how I feel about this episode. Hakuna Matata. Yeah. 
first one no problemo um brilliant and you two i mean for for listeners in terms of like how we all know each other you two were and are that hasn't changed friends so how did you how did you meet and how did this come to be so um i actually frankie and i actually worked together a couple years ago in hospital when i first started working as a doctor and uh frankie was the mid-grade doctor on the on the same ward and I was like all bright eyed and bushy tailed, not knowing what I was doing on that ward and crying to Frankie for help and support. You know? <laughs> and I was horrible throughout. Oh I'm yeah, sure. she only <laughs> smacked me across the face and told That's me to like, you know. No, she was amazing and supportive. Um, but we've been friends um, ever since and we're part of a, a great um, friend group with a lot of uh, different NHS colleagues. Um, and even though we've kind of gone our separate ways, we've, we've stayed in touch. For myself, I have now started training uh, as a specialty doctor in public health. So I look at all different aspects of ways of keeping people healthy, you know, before they get sick. Um, and one of the aspects that I've always been interested in and that I, that I still do work in is um, sexual health. It's always been, I think coming from an LGBT, you know, someone from the LGBT community, it's something that you're always kind of acutely aware of. You know, you're always um, thinking about your sexual health, which is great. There's been lots of promotion towards the LGBT community, you know, about getting tested because they're slightly increased risk of certain, you know, sexual health problems. And yeah. um, being part of that community, I always had an interest in sexual health, did a job in sexual health, absolutely loved it, and now have tried to marry those two things, public health and sexual health. So I had this idea of how do we reach out to people, you know, out there, talk about sex, talk about all the issues that encompass sex, and think about how we can promote uh, better and safer sex. And I reached out to Frankie and yourself, Esther, and you guys seem to be quite keen to do something similar. And I think that's how this all kind of started where the magic started yeah no, and frankie you're you know very much front line so um what's what's your experience in in sexual health and and sort of why did you get into it yeah i'm basically in the middle of my speciality training doing um genital urinary medicine which is sexual health um and hiv um, so a couple more years to go but i'm in the middle of, of the training as i say i basically kind of chose to specialize in that and find that most interesting for a number of reasons um one is that basically it's like massively different every day you never get bored you never know who's going to come through the door you can see people who just want a quick screen some people talk to you about things that they've never talked to anyone else about and it can be a really good way of kind of understanding people and um, seeing people sometimes at their most vulnerable and you can really make a direct impact just via simple measures and education to really uplift them and, and hope that that improves their quality of life long term. I like the fact that with sexual health side, it's quite quick turnover and you can see a, a big impact and a big difference very quickly. And then you also, with some of the HIV positive patients, get to know them very well over a long period of time. I myself, like my, my um, dad's side is Malawian, it's a country where there's a very, very high burden of HIV and I spent some time working there um, in the past and it's something that's very close to my heart just the the impact of education and sexual health prevention can really really affect people's futures in a positive way if it's done right so um, yeah so when Jaja asked me to kind of get involved with this I absolutely jumped at it and thought it sounds like a very exciting thing to do 
and hopefully we can talk about some issues that people find interesting. So I guess that sexual health is something that many don't necessarily always want to think about for lots of different reasons. You two, in contrast from what we've just heard, I mean, you're thinking about it like pretty much all the time, definitely in your nine to fives anyway. And it's not even a nine to five, is it? Let's be honest. It's like nine to nine. <laughs> yeah. Nine. So, um, all day, every day. Yeah. Okay. Thinking, day, about every day. <laughs> thinking about it. Working loads. Given your involvement and expertise, you know, it's quite different. And I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. But I guess, why do you want to share it um, in this way? Yeah, I think so. Let's cut to the chase. I mean, most most adults, you know, in the UK are having sex. And, and that's not, not only adults, but, you know, so most people are going to have sex. And um, someone's sex life is such an important part of their life. It's an important part of their relationships. It's important a part of their connection with their own bodies, um, with other people. It's, sex is not just about making babies. For some people it is, but it's some, for some people it's about power. For some people it's about money. Um, there's lots of different reasons that people have sex. And I think it's important because when I've, I've come across people you know, working in sexual health clinics and kind of what Frankie was saying, you see people from all walks of life and people get there for all different reasons. Some people are there just for a regular checkup and some people there have, um, you know, really difficult circumstances around the reasons that they're going to see a sexual health doctor, you know, for really complex issues, for sometimes life-changing, you know, situations and sometimes life-changing diagnoses. And it's something that we can all connect to. Um, sex is something that a lot of people, you know, have one relationship one way or another with the idea or the act of sex. So I think it's really important to create, you know, a space where people can realize that they're not alone. You know, we're, we're, we're here too. We can talk about sex. Here's how you can do it safely. And here's some things you can think about, not only safely, but here's how you do it fun in a way as well and how, how to make it a part that can better your life. Yeah, it's just the fact that people are having such a variety of experiences. And I think, you know, most of us can say, oh, yeah, like, you know, some people do this, some people do this, some people into this, and we have like a vague understanding. But there is just such a spectrum of things. And it really, really, mm -hmm. for some people can be part of their identity, can be a hidden identity. It can, they can tell you things that they've never told their best friend, they've never told their partner. And it's really, really interesting kind of anthropology I suppose it's really interesting oh. learning about human nature and just what people find pleasure in and what they don't and their relationship with their body and with their sexuality and with sexual practices so, for, me, <laughs> yeah. for me it was also how much sex is cerebral as well or like you know in your mind how people can fetishize you know and and create sexual practices that are are so important to them in a different way that is so separate from the quote unquote what society brands as the normal way of having sex. It becomes a major part of their life, how they navigate their life, how they navigate their relationships. And I think sometimes it, it's difficult for them to know where to turn sometimes with some of these issues that they're finding themselves, what is normal, what isn't, you know, finding other people that can relate. And I think when you see so many different people in, in such in, in in a variety of settings, you really learn to appreciate that there isn't one size fits all, and it gets more comfortable for you, you know, um, and you're able to help more people through that. But I think that there's still a long way to go in our general society as far as recognizing kind of the breadth of sexual identity and sexual practices that are actually out there. 
Well, one of the, I mean, you spoke about, both of you kind of touched on, you know, that kind of quite intimate experience of being, you know, the, hearing people's experiences when they're maybe coming to have some form of sexual health conversation. Um, and I guess like in terms of anxiety around getting tested, you know, it can be, I, I remember the first time I, I went to go and get a sexual health checkup. I mean, you yeah. know, it was, it felt like a really big deal. It felt like also mm -hmm. quite a, you know, like it felt different to maybe a, um, you know, a checkup with a GP that's known you since you were six. I guess if, you know, if we imagine that we are in a clinic now and, you know, you've got someone there who they've never, you know, they've never kind of um, been checked before. They've never gone for a sexual health checkup. What can they expect? What do you think some of their like, you know, their worries and anxieties might be and... Um, so number one, I would say the thing that people most often say is that they're worried about kind of like what it involves, if they check in, like should they, they, they feel embarrassed about saying what their symptoms are, someone has to look at areas that, that people aren't normally seeing. Just honestly feel relaxed. One, we see, we do this as our job, this is professional. We are there literally to help you. Everyone's worried about their bits and someone seeing their bits. We see them all the time it is really just quite it's not a thing no one's like no one's like calling you out or wondering why you have a mole somewhere or wondering if your labia is too big or wondering why you're forced a, a certain way <laughs> honestly like you're we're there to help you feel comfortable feel relaxed feel it's a safe space for a, for a start and if we ask you questions which seem very personal very sensitive please don't feel like taken aback by them or that anything is directed at anyone personally. We kind of have a pro forma of questions that we do so we can assess your sexual risk um, and, you know, decide what we need to do next. It's all kind of protocol, but also outside that protocol, you should feel kind of safe and comfortable that you can share anything with us. Even if you just have questions, there is no such thing as silly questions. Just feel it's like I say, a safe space that you can just have that, that forum to talk about anything you want to do. Um, to do with your sexual health and well-being. That's so nice to hear because I think um, it's there's a funny old thing I think when you're sort of the patient and you feel like you know you're going to go into that setting. I sometimes always thought oh, I need to know stuff like I need to um, mm. anticipate certain things. I have to have a certain level of know-how about some of this. So when you said there's no such thing as a silly question, I think I'd have probably assumed that all my questions were silly uh, or because because I just didn't know stuff. So I felt immediately on the back foot. And also because it's quite a daunting thing, like, you know, it's such a, to take that responsibility sometimes for your own health as well. So I think that's lovely that's to it. hear. What about you, Jaja? What do you think? I'm thinking back to, to when I first had my sexual, my first sexual health test, uh, oh. you know, when the first time I went into a clinic. And I, I, I do remember it very clearly. And kind of thinking back to those experiences, I think there's a, a few anxieties, you know, sometimes it can be, like Frankie said, people seeing your bits. That's not something you normally just show everyone. <laughs> nothing can right? prepare you. Nothing yeah, can prepare you. Nothing can prepare you, right? <laughs> I think you're worried about people judging your behavior. I think that's mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. what you're one of the things that people think about. Sometimes people are worried about even the circumstances, you know, for going for a check, you know, maybe they can't tell others, you know, the reason they're going to this clinic. Maybe other people don't know they're going to this clinic. Ooh. Or maybe there's, and maybe there's a good reason for that. You know, maybe it has to do with their own protection. Maybe it has to do with their own safety. It could be lots of different reasons that people go to clinics that can be um, um, very anxiety provoking. And I think the other half of it is also, what are they going to say after the checkup? You know, there's also the worry about 
being diagnosed with something, um, an infection, for example, because, you know, I think more and more people are realizing that, you know, infections, most of the time, a lot of the time, don't have any symptoms that accompany them. So you can go for a sexual health check, thinking everything's hunky-dory, then come out the other side, you know, with, you know, finding out that you might have, a, have picked up an infection somewhere. Um, and that can be really scary for a lot of people. But I think it's important what Frankie highlighted, that those are all things that we are so very much aware of. I think anyone working in sexual health, and we actively try our very best to stop people from feeling those words or try to kind of like help ease those fears you know part of our training is also on how to do that isn't it frankie on how to create a comfortable environment for for someone and how the language we use um you know we're constantly thinking about how to word things you know in a way that that helps put um people at ease we're really not there to to judge you we're there to help you and make you better Um, another thing that i've come across is that people think that questions we ask are we're asking them for a specific reason because oh. of something, you know, because we're making an assumption about them. Um, sometimes, you know, based on what people tell us, we, we have a follow-up question that is true. But in, in, in general, what, don't you think, Frankie, we have a pretty set standard um, number of questions that we have to get through, you know, that we kind of know, we call it a sexual history that we're looking at. So we're asking many of these questions just bog standard for everyone. You know, obviously we're going to ask slightly different questions if you're male versus female or, uh, you know, if you're having sex with men or women or both, you know, that will change things as well. So we need to ask those questions. And if you don't, what I would say to people out there is if you feel like, you're, you're not understanding why someone's asking you that question, ask your, ask your doctor or, your, or, your, or the nurse or the healthcare assistant that's asking you that question. We are more than happy to tell you and, and they should be able to give you an answer as to why they're asking that question to help kind of put, put you at ease. Oh yeah, I definitely, definitely had that, um, had some of that anxiety I remember thinking like god I haven't really shaved that much like in the yes, you know, like, I haven't yes. really, like you know are they gonna so, feel the bristle are they gonna more, feel it? it's, it's <laughs> always, like, oh, sorry I haven't shaved they're like we just don't care like what it is <laughs> always the females in clinic you, and you know what more than that more than you know more than having shaved their pubic regions you know what most women say to me is like I haven't shaved my legs today I hope you don't yeah. and it's like I'm, no one's no one cares no, no one cares what no are you talking me. about no no one's worried about if you shade your legs or not don't don't <laughs> apologize it's nothing to worry about but so many people do say things like that oh yeah um, i mean my mom said this and it was so true she's like every they've seen it all before yeah. yeah like they've just seen it all before so there's nothing that you're gonna do or say that they won't have heard before nope. or it you know it's it's not ever it's just you know it's never i'll be bad. honest with you it really is like frankie i'm sure you'd agree it's like whether I'm examining someone's knee or, you know, their penis or their vagina, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it becomes exactly. the same. You are looking at it from a completely uh, medical perspective. You're looking at, you're not looking at it as a penis. You're looking at it as like skin and, you know, is this normal? Is this not normal? Like it, it might as well be like your nose, you know, that I'm looking <laughs> at. It, it doesn't, it doesn't become that it doesn't have that same meaning that yeah. is, yes. that it normally has in, in, in this context. You know, we're looking at it from a completely health point of view. So no one is worried. No one's checking out your bits, you know, where there <laughs> no, to completely. make sure it's healthy and normal. Because you've come there to ask 
is everything okay? Do I, is there something different? Do I need any medical assistance? And that was literally what we're there to do. We're not like, I promise we're not making like charts behind your back about <laughs> like different sizes or like marking things out of 10. It literally, everyone's genitalia is different. We are just making sure it's normal and it's healthy and that your sexual well-being is okay. And exactly as Jaja said, that can sometimes um, involve um, different questions and different procedures, which are questions that you're not normally asked. Um, but it's all medically relevant and please just feel comfortable to question anything. And I think it really does go back to, to education, Frankie, because as you were saying that, I was thinking one of the things that I was not taught, um, this is a gap that my parents can even fill because probably I don't think my parents ever had a sexual health test in their lives, you know, and they're not, you know, they're divorced. They've had other partners. I don't know if they know about sexual health testing. I've never had that conversation with them. Maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's different when it's your parents. It's different when it? it's the other way around, isn't it? Um, I don't think they really knew about those kinds of things. And looking back to my youth in uni in New York City going out on a rampage you know after I was let free I was not getting tested nearly as regularly or as often as I should have been and I was not I just didn't know though I thought you only go get a test if there was something wrong and you know Mm -hmm, nothing mm -hmm. was necessarily going wrong you know that I noticed and I think that that's like a really big misconception. Like I said, over half the time you can have a sexually transmitted infection and, and have no symptoms at all. And everything can seem like honky dory. But I think that message of like how to test, you know, if you have a new partner after two weeks, go get a test. If you're having lots and lots of partners, you know, a different partner every night or maybe multiple partners every night, then at least go every three months for a checkup. You know, like these sorts of messages are not being carried out. And I think people people aren't aware of that. I mean, they're, they're getting more awareness, but I think that also feeds into the anxiety because a lot of the times, by the time they come to the clinic, it's because something has gone off and now they're and now they're really worried you know so I think if you, if you can bring testing into a routine part of your life you know um, and there's lots of different ways to get tested nowadays you know you don't have to go to a clinic you can go to online services as well um, but if you make that a part of your um, your sexual health it will save you a lot of anxiety and a lot of trouble and to be honest, just as a, an, an, a little caveat as well, yes, this goes for people who are in long-term relationships. I, I tell everyone, I tell all my patients, even if you're in a long-term relationship, my, my personal advice is to get tested at least once a year, both of you. It doesn't do any harm, you know? Don't, don't put your sexual health in someone else's hands. You know, it's not about trust. It's not about distrusting someone. It's not about backstabbing someone. You're not doing anyone a disservice except yourself if you're not looking after your own sexual health and, and taking that, you know. Well, I guess you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily put your, um, I was going to say your feet health, but I don't mean that. I mean like, <laughs> I mean like you wouldn't put another aspect of your health into someone else's hands so why put your sexual health in someone else's hands I guess um it's kind of like it's ultimately all even if it's something you feel like you're sharing it's it's still your body isn't it so I guess that's that's taken me a time to to, you know to work out but but perhaps that's part of it yeah and I think kind of addressing these things earlier on um in relationships can actually just sometimes be such a blessing and avoid so much stress so if someone's gonna 
if you're going to start a relationship which is closed or which is open but you're using protection with other partners it's kind of good to kind of once you've had those conversations to establish a relationship to kind of go together make it like a day and just be like this is literally a medical thing this is not me accusing you this is not you accusing me it means that later down the line we kind of know where we stand and you can draw a line under it right from the beginning kind of tick that box um and then yeah you you're kind of both showing that you're being responsible and caring for yourself but also making sure you're not putting that other person at risk um and i think that's very sensible and then you know in different stages of your life if you're having like um, a lot more casual partners um if there's any times you know in particular you think that you are at higher risk than others in like increase the frequency of your checks like jaja says just you know go every three months or so rather than kind of sitting at home being like i am you know i am having loads of sex and i'm don't i feel fine just Mm -hmm. make sure you're fine because you you know this is your body you have one body and also just kind of from the aspect of making sure you're not causing any infections in someone else without you maybe knowing absolutely so it's just you know it's just about being responsible but also about loving your body and loving yourself to make sure that you've done everything for it it's not about a judgment no i was just gonna say it's it's not about a judgment in any way of how much sex you're having or who you're having sex with or how you're doing it it's just making sure that you're caring about your body to make sure that you've kind of hit that box and made sure everything's okay and if it's not getting getting the right treatments that's what we're there for so and i guess just um if you're sitting around with each other having a lot of sex i mean we are if you apply that question that statement to the times we're in now um you know we are you know all much a lot of us self-isolating um you know due to coronavirus these are we're in a crazy time i read i read on an article somewhere they were like oh there's going to be loads of corona babies because people Mm. are going to be together in one space a lot or if if they're a couple i guess or in a shared house situation and you know you just Getting frisky. Fire, the fires <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah>. convenience um, <laughs> yeah, survival, <laughs> survival. <laughs> um, from your perspective um, you know sexual health in the time of corona what what does it what should it look like for people what what are some things that you think some pe- people should be thinking about or that might be helpful for them to be aware of um, considering that maybe they've been a go to the clinic person before maybe never had a check before what i guess are some things that might be might be useful for people to be aware of because it's also quite a scary time for a lot of us um and being two meters apart like that's weird so um you know being intimate we don't have that physical presence with with people as much and dating is sort of you know i don't know how people are really doing it because of the times we're in so what what would your um advice be to people um now that we're currently on lockdown? So I think people's sexual practice is obviously going to be massively, massively impacted by this. Yeah. Um, kind of in whichever situation you are. As you said, you know, some people are dating, some people having like hookups and casual sex, which they normally rely on kind of um, like apps for or like online dating. Some people are in a relationship and they find themselves kind of in every day, like with that person for days on end, which can obviously change your dynamic. Some people uh, are single and, you know, you know, everything's, everyone is probably going to be massively affected by this as regards their sexual health and their well-being, as well as their mental health. And which, and they're, you know, those things are very closely linked. Um, their libido, their like pleasure in sex, their sex drive, 
with in every aspect so I think it's just one the first important thing is to one kind of just in this time it's a, it's a useful time to kind of think about and reflect on your own kind of uh, well-being and see how you feel like as regards your sexual health um, of course the safest option is masturbation mm-hmm. and we very much encourage right. that Tried and true, um, tried and true. <laughs> <laughs> um, Get that porn loaded up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Whatever floats your boat. So yeah, the, of course that's the you know from a from a doctor point of view, that's that's the safest thing to do. Some people, you know, neutral masturbation, whether that is online with someone or um, in whichever way that you're you're able to do it, and obviously social distancing people in relationships might find that they need they want to try different things they might find that they need to kind of really have conversations about their their sexual health about the sexual practices in couples where um, there's a risk of conceiving if that's something that they don't want to do they need to make sure in this time that their contraception isn't kind of put to the back of the um, queue in view mm-hmm. of everything you know that's something that people are not thinking about um, as much as an emergency provision in this times, but there really still are services. Um, so, I mean, I certainly for our service, some of the sexual health clinics have had to be um, temporarily closed while staff were redeployed to the front line. Um, but we still have one of our clinics running, which are offering sexual health services, including testing and um, contraception. Um, sometimes GPs are doing this over the phone. Um, if you've had recently kind of depend the length of the prescription on when you've most recently seen a doctor um, and which contraception you're on at the moment. But there are, you know, Lloyd's Pharmacy, I know, is certainly doing um, some over-the-counter contraceptions um, as well as emergency contraception. The sexual health services are also implementing ways that people can have terminations of pregnancies and, and, um, as I say, emergency contraception and that all their, their sexual health needs are met. As re- so it really is something that people need to be thinking about because the whole dynamic is very much different. Um, so it's just one, making sure that they're safe and two, making sure that they are still having pleasure and well-being and um, enjoying their sex life in what can be actually quite a protective thing um, yeah. mental health-wise when, when everything else is quite terrible at the moment. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's quite useful. And, and Jaja, I know you're actually the expert in um, sexual health testing at the moment as well. What's happening there? <laughs> um, hardly an expert, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> you I are the authority. The authority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I completely agree with. I think Frankie had some excellent, excellent advice and some points there um, regarding testing, because there will be people, regardless of any sort of situation, who who might need testing or have a sexual health concern and they would like to talk to someone you know during this time regarding their sexual health and I think it's important to realize that yes services have changed as Frankie said um, quite a lot due to to, due to coronavirus Um, but they're still operating they're still out there and um, you know if there are services that are um, seeing patients face to face for things that might constitute you know a sexual health emergency um you know so you can always try to call into your local clinic or see the nearest local clinic some some local authorities some boroughs are linking together for call centers and things like that so so have a google and see the your your local clinic call in see if they're doing like a phone consultation um if they want you to come into a clinic if they don't the other option 
that um, has really developed over the past few years, and, and particularly over the past couple of months now um, with coronavirus, is, is online testing. Online testing is a great, great tool um, that you can use during these times. And what I mean by online testing is, so for example, there's Sexual Health London, um, which serves um, most London boroughs. And there's also um, SH24 is the other major service. Um, you can log on, sorry, when you access online first, it'll take you through a series of questions through the sexual health history, you know, similar things that you'd be asked in a clinic. Depending on your answers, they'll send you an appropriate kit um, with some instructions to take your own swabs, um, you know, take your own sample, a small tiny finger prick blood test, you know, if that's appropriate, and you can send that in and have your results back to you, sent back to you as a text message. So you don't even have to leave your house to get tested. Um, so please be aware that, you know, there's still lots of great services out there to, that you can access if you do need to be, uh, want to get sexual health testing during this time. Oh yeah, I can definitely vouch for Sexual Health London. That was an absolute game changer for me because yeah. also when I think at the time I was working full time, the kind of getting into a clinic like in the day, I think I couldn't get a slot. It was all just like Nightmare. a bit Nightmare. stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd gone to Dean Street Clinic, um, which is brilliant in Soho. Um, but the slots were just going so fast and it was like Glastonbury, you know, it was just becoming too <laughs> much. So I, but I was like, okay, I need to do this. So yeah, sexual health under was great. And it was really fast turnaround actually. And yeah. I thought the finger pricking thing would be like really, I thought I'd pass out. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't because no one will. Yeah. That's yeah. weird yeah. to worry about that. But because yeah. um, you kind of, I was like, getting into the other motion, you know? Yes, like, yes. I was like, my fingers and other, my fingers and other, my fingers yes. and other. Um, and it was just, really really what i did is i blew out proportions of course yeah um, but it was it was so so fine and actually and and also what was good was that they then reminded me a bit down the line they said you know do you want to do it again because it's been yes. x amount of time so that was really helpful because it took the mental pressure of me to remember to get checked and think about that because yeah. you know we're all leading busy lives but um something like that just does it for you so yeah. it was actually super simple and um a, a pleasant surprise although i remember when you know when it says the results yeah it says like clear clear yeah, clear. yeah. so i was uh, like I, I at first i thought that that was like a the other one so i thought i had them all yeah oh no yeah. no no, no. 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 Oh, i was like you oh, have everything you won the sexual yeah the sti lottery all of them <laughs> i don't know what i was expecting i think i expected it to say you don't have this one, you don't have this one, you don't have this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. There's but for some reason, obviously it didn't because it wouldn't. You're be. not the first person to bring that up as well. Um, yep, no, yeah. So some people get a little bit confused with the wording and like, what is a negative test? What is a positive test? Is negative mean it's negative, so that's bad. So yeah. I have it, you know. So what I would say in those cases, if you have any questions, you know, any of the online services will have a, a helpline or someone that you can, at least a contact number that you can call and clarify anything. And certainly if you go to a clinic, um, you know, you can always call into the clinic and have someone you know, explain to you as well. In general, for most people, if, 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 if it is a positive result, 
you will know because either there'll be a follow-up call or there'll be sort of like signposting to treatment or signposting to other services. I know most clinics operate that way. I know most um, online services operate that way. So um, chances are, if it is positive, don't freak out. There's, there's always options, but um, you will be signposted to the right where you need to go from there. Even in yeah. these times, which is- even, which, even in these times, no, no. Because I mean, sexual health is, is, it's our health. It's part of health, you know. There are going to be people who get ill during these times and they're going to get people who have sexual ill health, you know, that need to be seen and need to have treatment. So absolutely. It's, it's interesting that you also talked about the link between mental health and sexual health. Um, Cause obviously mm -hmm. you kind of pull apart health sometimes when we talk about physical health, mental health, sexual health. Um, and it all sounds like it's sort of, you know, like they're sort of different countries, you know, separated by borders, but actually, mm. um, what, what is the link, I guess, um, if, if people, if that's not something that's really crossed people's minds or it has been, but they're just wondering. I mean, I think they're massively, massively entwined. I don't think you can have one without the other in, in a lot of ways, as in, so one is in people's just relationship with their own body and with themselves, um, like their mental relationship, how they see themselves, how they identify, I think is very closely linked and their kind of psychosexual well-being, I suppose. So um, things like erectile dysfunction can um, at times be um, related to mental health and to their um, sexual, sorry, their psychological well-being. So people, for example, with low mood may have like far less sex drive, may have um, um, less sexual pleasure, um, may have um, different relationships with their body, which they may not have had before. And that also goes for women. Um, but, you know, for women, sometimes there's, there's a condition called vaginismus where they can actually feel pain, uh, sometimes to the point where they're unable to have penetrative sex. And that is something that can be managed over a long period of time with psychosexual input, um, as well as kind of sexual health um, input from the physical point of view. It's like it's a very closely linked thing sometimes people have for example i'll be doing sexual practices which they think won't be acceptable um, to people they know or to society um, they may have a sexuality which they feel that they aren't they aren't able to talk about and that can massively massively mm -hmm. impact on how they how their sexual relationships are and how they feel about themselves and also the kind of sexual encounters that they're getting into. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's something that's very, very, very important um, and that we address and hopefully that people can feel comfortable to talk about in sexual health consultations, even if it takes a few sessions for them to feel that they get to know us properly, you know, right from, right from the first consultation, those kind of things should be talked about. And, and I just wanted to highlight as a, to tag on to what Frankie said as well is your sexual health is not solely about having sex, it, it, the act itself. It's also about how you identify your relationship with your body and your, your genitalia, your, your bits, you know, how you relate to them. So your, your views on gender, you know, will affect your sexual well-being and, and that can have really massive impacts on your mental health if you feel like you're not the right gender or you're a different gender from what society the labels that society is you know dominantly known in society where you know that can cause a lot of confusion for people and a lot of upset and also the the, the other side of the coin is people who feel you know who are asexual 
who don't feel sexual desire. And that can be really dissociating for them. And where, what is wrong with me? Where do I fall? You know, and that is also a part of your sexual health. So it's not just about sex itself. It's about all of those parts that create our our relationships with ourselves, our bodies, um, and and other people. So it, it is massive, and it is completely intertwined with with mental health. If you look at it that way, that's that's brilliant. Um, and I guess um, we're kind of coming to the end of the episode, sadly now. But I guess just to sort of close, how do you think sexual health is changing? Um, what what does the future of sexual health look like? Um, you know, year 3000, maybe not that far, but um, <laughs> I just knew that because it's busted, so that's why I say it's that. Cyber sex. Cyber sex. Cyber sex. <laughs> I cannot wait until that develops more. There, it is so great. And so oh my gosh, amazing. Tell us long more, Jojo. Why? Sex. I, well, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but like I have definitely had my string of long distance relationships and that has put a strain on, um, you know, sex life for me personally. And I know that there's lots of different, you know, there's great, interesting stuff out there. One of the things that I think that, they, that they've been trying to develop um, is, you know, virtual sex systems. So where you can link, you know, where something that you put on yourself, inserts yourself into, depending on, you know, whatnot. Um, and then the other person has control over it from, you know, from a distance. So through, wow. through the internet. And that is really exciting. And I can't wait until that is just, you know, widely available. I think that sounds great. And yeah. Oh my God. So. Buy shares in that, Jar Jar, honestly. I know, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, get in the world you can. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, stock market, now's the time to, to invest, isn't it? You know, stock markets just... Do it. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Frankie? Now, that is a difficult question. I mean, I think times recently, but also kind of very highlighted by the situation we all find ourselves in with the COVID-19 pandemic is the relationships in general have changed a lot. And also how people start relationships how people continue those relationships, how you find people, how you connect with people. There's so much more. It's not kind of just like see someone you like in the pub, buy them a drink. After a few times, you might be able to ask them for dinner. It's not really that anymore. It's kind of people are having a lot more um, connections via apps, via um, meeting people online. It's not, it's not things that we kind of conventionally think of as ways that people initiate sexual relationships are much less common now I suppose or much less used and much more difficult to facilitate than finding someone on app so I think um people's relationship with sex and with um sexual contact has massively changed and is continuing to change um and also kind of just um gender identity um and sexuality and kind of forums for people to um talk to like-minded people and to um, really find communities who have similar interests and similar sexual fantasies, I suppose, or, or sexual um, behaviour as them, um, is, again, something that's much more easy to do and something that's talked about a bit more, actually. So um, it's very, very slowly, I think, these conversations are happening and people are very, very slowly becoming a lot more open and talkative about these important things. And I think, hopefully the word sex is becoming a bit less taboo and a bit more mainstream. Um, and that will hopefully bring a lot of happiness. 
Well, that brings us to um, the end of uh, our first ever episode of Sexual Transmissions. Um, so thank you so much to um, the wonderful sexual health experts, Jar Jar and Frankie. Um, thank you, Esther. Thank you, Esther. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Well, you know, excited for the next one already. Um, and thank you to um, Patrick for helping us with the sound um, and Millie as well, who's helped us get this up and running. Um, it's been a, a team effort. So um, in terms of finding other information that we've discussed um, in the episode, we'll put some links up um, on our um, socials so you can find what we've been talking about. Um, and you can also get in touch with us um, at sxltransmissions at gmail.com. Um, so say hi, send us a question, tell us what you might want to hear more of, less of perhaps. Um, you know, we're new to this, we're learning as we go, um, but we really hope that um, you've enjoyed this episode. So um, from all of us, um, stay safe and well during this time um, and sending you big love. Um, until next time, goodbye!